There we go. We got some volume. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Boca Podcast. I am your host, Nathan Holritz, and uh, happy Friday to those of you that may be live streaming with us today. Um, and I, I hope I hope you'll join us in the conversation. As I always say, one of the main benefits of doing these live streams is you can actually join in the conversation, ask questions, comment, send us funny emojis if you want to make fun of us. That's great, too. We're going to have some fun with it, but be part of the conversation here. It's definitely meant to be uh, a group discussion of sorts. This show, of course, is produced by Photographers at Custom Editing for the wedding and portrait photographer. Especially during this busy season, make sure to outsource your editing to Photographers Edit. You can learn more at photographersedit.com. All right. Well, on that note, I get to introduce a brand new guest today on the show. Rue Smith is here with me. Rue, thank you for doing the show. Yes, of course. Thanks so much for having me on, Nathan. I appreciate it. Well, and, and we were chatting, as I usually get to do with my guests beforehand. Sometimes there's like this this kind of rush to address some technical issue. Fortunately, we didn't have that today. We just got to chat for a little bit. Um, but we haven't had the opportunity to meet before, so we're going to get to know each other a little bit here on air through conversation, along with the audience, of course. And um, so that'd be kind of fun. And maybe let's just start with a, a really simple, I don't tend to do those like formal introductions with bios and, and resumes and all that kind of totally. stuff. Uh, but what I will do here is pop up on screen your website for anybody who doesn't know who Rue is. You just simply go to ruesmith.com, R-O-O-S-M-I-T-H.com. And then uh, on Instagram, here we go to get it to load. It's Rue Smith and just the number six at the end. And of course, we'll link to these both in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Um, and Rue, we're going to actually get into a topic we haven't talked a whole lot about on the Boca podcast and 600 plus episodes. Uh, so that'd be kind of fun to, to get into new territory, a little bit of new territory. We'll do that here in just a second. But this whole show, the premise of this show at the end of the day is about helping photographers build sustainable businesses. And um, I want, I'm just kind of curious if there's an idea principle that's enabled you to maintain some level of freedom, flexibility, right? If, if we're always working, we're going to get burnt out and that's not a sustainable business model. So I, I like to, to find out how our guests are working a little bit more intentionally, a little bit more intelligently to create that freedom and flexibility. What's the big idea for you? Yeah, I love it. Well, first off, yeah, thanks, Nathan, for the introduction. And thanks again for having me on. I'm excited to catch up and chat. And <clears throat> I think the business of photography and filmmaking, I do both. But business of photography, I think, is especially interesting, especially now when it's kind of like blowing up as a as a career option. And so I'm looking forward to kind of diving into things. But yeah, I guess to answer your question, like for me, finding freedom and flexibility is like always a little bit of a challenge, right? Because it's like we're motivated, we're feeling creative in some seasons, and then in some seasons we're not. Um, and I think for me, like trying to maximize like that sort of lifestyle that like a freelance lifestyle and an entrepreneur lifestyle is so great for that freedom and flexibility. Um, I think for me, it's it's really like balancing motivation and creativity is really challenging. And I was talking to uh, one of my like best friends who's a songwriter. And I think in these creative industries, it's really easy to only want to work when you're feeling creative. And I mm. think for me, it for a while, it was that way. It was like, okay, I'm feeling passionate. I'm feeling creative. I like I got this idea for this great photo or I have these ideas for these amazing opportunities I can create for these athletes or ambassadors or whatever. And then it kind of reaches a point where you're like, I can't work only off of motivation and I can't only work off creativity. And so I think for me, like maximizing the freedom and flexibility is treating this just like 
any other job and saying like, okay, it's 9am. Like I have to show up at my computer and start editing photos or I have to get out and like create a photo today, or I have to start like building pitch decks or like creating contracts or doing the work. And I think it's like part of this like adventure photography, adventure, exciting lifestyle of like working in the outdoor industry specifically. Like I think it has a lot of appeal and I think that freedom and flexibility is really important, but I think like you still have to like sit down and do the work. And I feel like that's like one thing I do want to like kind of come back to throughout our podcast episode is like where I'm at now. Like I feel very fortunate to have worked with like a lot of big brands and worked with like a lot of big budgets and worked on big expeditions. But I think that comes down with just like having shown up every day for, I mean, it's been almost seven years of me doing this and like creating a new photo every day or creating a better website each and every month or building better pitch decks or having better conversations. So I think like that flexibility, like, like I said, it's one of the most beneficial sides of freelancing, but in order to earn that flexibility, like you have to put in the work and know when to like take a step off. And like, for me, it's like 5 PM. I try to like turn off the computer, turn off my phone and just like go be with friends and go to the climbing gym or go skiing and do other things. Um, cause I think when you take your step back and say like, I'm a person doing a job, you can sort of create that flexibility and freedom for yourself. And like, of course, having like times where you're like, okay, I need to like put the work away and like go on a vacation or like take time to be with my family or my loved ones. Like that's really important. Um, but I think, yeah, I think the freedom and flexibility piece, like it's tricky because with motivation and creativity, like you want to work when it's, when it's there, but yeah. sometimes it's not always there, you know, does that make sense? It, it does. And, and I, I love that you went where you did. I didn't expect to go here, but um, this is kind of a different angle on the topic. And, and so I want to kind of explore this just a little bit more than, than I even planned to. You bring up a really important point um, that, I, I mean, I, we see a vein of this, this topic, I guess, kind of running through, our industry and even in our culture at large, where people are allowing their feelings to determine how they act uh, versus instead establishing a, a set of values and letting that drive your actions, trusting mm. the fact that the feelings will come along with the work. There's just this, this expectation, especially when it comes to art, photography, um, and even just general entrepreneurship, that we have to quote unquote feel passionate in order to do the thing versus again, it, it's important. I think that we establish a, a business or a relationship or whatever the case, whether, you know, business or life that is a reflection of our value. So we're actually doing something that we truly want to do. But the reality is we're not going to feel quote unquote, feel it every day. We're not going to feel passionate about every single thing we do day in and day out. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the key is that we do something that's driven by our value set and our kind of what I refer to as a big picture view or big picture goals and show up and do the work consistently. And that will bring the feelings. We're going to get the results if we do that consistently. But this idea that we wait for motivation to drive our work um, is highly limiting on, on multiple levels. But I think how that then relates to this is just I'm, I'm thinking out loud with you here. But the way that I'm tying yeah, that it. into the idea of creating freedom and flexibility is if we show up and do the work as business owners, and I shot weddings for about 10 years, I mentioned to you before we got started. But what mm -hmm. I realized as a wedding photographer is despite seeing photographers around me talking about or you know, writing online about the fact that they might be spending a you know, ridiculous amount of hours in their work week 
in order to run their business or staying up until 2 a.m. editing or whatever the conversation. The reality is it only takes probably about 20 hours of, of intelligent, intentional work a week in order to run a photography business, a full-time business. So if we show up consistently for that 20 hours, or maybe for some people it's 25 or 30 hours, whatever the actual time, but we're showing up consistently for that, that then easily leaves us the very time that you're describing, whether it's five o'clock at the end of the day, or maybe I wanna stop at three one day, or I wanna you know, not work at all another day, but because I'm showing up consistently all those other times, regardless of how I quote unquote feel, that enables me then the consistent ability and opportunity to take advantage of that freedom and flexibility as, as an entrepreneur. So maybe yeah, that's a, a real stretch that. of what you were saying, but that's, oh, no, that's how I made you, sense of it. You, yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I think for me, like, I listened to this one, John, I love music. I was a musician. I still am a musician. I like minored it in college and then played music my whole life. And I love John Mayer. And John Mayer had a talk that he gave one time at like Oxford or it's on YouTube somewhere. And I watched it. And he was talking about how he didn't want to be consistently like the top of the charts. He's like, I don't care about like being number one once. I want to be in the top 100 for like 50 years. And when you look at his career and like, plot it out on a graph and be like okay like he released this album in this year the best song got to number 25 on the charts or number 10 but his like 13th song on the album like still got to number 98 on the charts so he's still consistently like and then every album he's putting out he's like staying in that top 100 every time and he's been doing that for like 20 plus years like my mom used to listen to john mayer i listened to john mayer like by the way, he's amazing in person. I, I got to see him in concert. Oh, you, you got to see him? him? Oh, I haven't. No, it's like on the bucket list for sure. You know how some uh, artists, like you hear them on, on Spotify or whatever platform you're listening to, and they sound great there or maybe in the studio, but you hear him in person. And I, I, I also, you mentioned before we got started that you, you're a musician. I'm also a musician. I spent quite a bit of time oh, in, nice. in the musical world. And you hear some people in person and it just, it's cringy. It's so bad. Yeah. John sounds just as good, if not better than what he sounds like in, in his uh, recordings. And I had the opportunity to see oh, him I live. And actually, and I guess maybe this kind of shows my age a little bit, but I got to see John Mayer and Sting uh, in concert Whoa. in Colorado, actually. Um, where oh, you're no from, way. Where you're living, yeah. Not, oh, yeah. A number of years ago. It was an amazing opportunity. But all that to say, John's incredible. Um, not just in a recording, but actually live as well. But please yeah, continue. I love that. No, yeah, yeah. And I think exactly what you're saying. Like, he's an incredible musician and he can take, like, the time to, like, build out a, like, sustainable career. And I think yeah. for me, like, that's that's what I want in this. Like, I love photography and I love filmmaking. And, like, I want to do this for my entire life. Mm. And so if I, like, stay up till 2 a.m. and I, like, don't put work away when my partner comes home and I'm, like, working all weekend and not taking any time off to be with friends, like, that's not a sustainable lifestyle. No. And I think for me, like I have like a why, right? Like I think it's important for most people to have like, why do we do this? I think wedding photographers like talk about it a lot. Um, I used to shoot weddings like back in college or elopements and things and like have transitioned obviously into what I do now. Um, haven't shot weddings for years, but I think that concept of like why I do what I do is really important. And I always say like outdoor adventure is my passion and storytelling is my purpose. And I do that through telling like uplifting stories or capturing uplifting photos about hope, joy, and adventure. And I think like that why is important for me to like have a sustainable career, but for every single day, like why do I get up and go to work? It's like, well, sometimes like I get up and go to work because I'm passionate about what I do for sure. That's like totally there. But I think I want to have a career like John Mayer that like can span the test of time. And I'm like, not every photo that I create needs to be like award-winning 
on the on a billboard somewhere but i think <laughs> if i can continue to like hone my technical skills and continue yeah. to get better and the more time you spend in lightroom or the more time you like spend building pitch decks like the more you can develop as a photographer you know and i think now like six years of or seven years or however long i've been doing this like when i look at the photos and videos of what i've been creating it or what i was creating when i was starting and i look at the photos i'm creating now like of course there's a huge night and day difference but in my head like i'm still doing the same thing like i'm going out with my camera i'm taking photos of people and i'm going into lightroom and i'm trying to make it pretty you know so the process is the same even though like the scale and the budgets and the expectations are like way different um sure so i think even like that's something i also want to say is like even though I'm working with bigger clients now like in my head i still feel like that dude that's like going out and just like capturing photos you know well and let's just throw out there just for the sake of conversation give you a little props name some of the the brands that you've had the opportunity to work with as, as a <laughs> photographer yeah i think so i do both i do photo and video so video side like i've worked with netflix and hbo and um for clients that i do both like patagonia la sportiva north face outside magazine like outside tv um, cool. Iron Man, Canyon Bikes. I don't know, like a lot of mid-range companies too, like KT Tape or Garmin or like local Colorado ski resorts. I don't know, helmet companies, sunglass companies. <laughs> I don't know. If that's kind of like that's kind of like the the styles, right? It's like outdoor lifestyle, outdoor yeah. industry kind of things. I'm just laughing because you said mid-range companies like Garmin. If if Garmin <laughs> is a mid-range company, we know you've made it because Garmin's a massive company. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> Well, let's actually use this as a segue then to get into this conversation, kind of the, the primary focus for today, which is how to build an adventure photo business. And um, I know that this isn't, you know, I, what, what I love about the podcast, one of the things I love about the book of podcasts is that we may get into talking about specific genres of photography that aren't necessarily relevant to everybody listening in, but there's still principles underlying that particular genre or the business model or otherwise that, that the guest brings to the conversation. They're still relevant. So I love that. Um, but today we are going to talk specifically how to get in or about how to get into adventure photography and this genre that you've spent quite a bit of time in now. And um, I, maybe we can just talk a little bit about why you even got into this genre in the, the first place. I think you you mentioned to me before we got started, there are a couple of reasons why this is your favorite genre, why this is your focus. What what are those reasons? Totally. Yeah, I think I think for me and I think most photographers probably feel the same. It's like they want to be taking photos of things that they're passionate about. And for me, like outdoor adventures, it's like, it's what I'm passionate about. Like I have skis behind me. I love to ski. I love to mountain bike. I love to surf. I love to snowboard. I love to trail run. Like I love to do all sorts of outdoor sports. And so when I was first starting out, I like would take my camera on a lot of these ventures. If we're like doing some massive hike, like I would bring my camera along and take photos of my friends. Or if I would go skiing, like I would take my camera along and take photos of friends. And so I think that kind of became like the impetus for starting like the business in it is like, whoa, I like this. I really like the community. Um, but I think just like a lot of other photographers, like, we want to be capturing stories and passionate individuals that we like are drawn to. And I think the people, especially that was like kind of mm -hmm. the first thing I want to talk about is like, I think the people in the outdoor industry are really interesting. And like, there are interesting people everywhere. I'm like, totally extroverted and i think people are fascinating um but i think especially in the outdoor industry you get a really wide range of people that you can work with like for me 
I work a lot with athletes, like environmental nonprofits, even like outdoor companies, like their, their marketing teams. A lot of people that are in marketing positions in the outdoor industry had kind of come about it in an interesting way. Like if they work at, if they're the marketing lead at a bike company, for instance, like maybe they were a professional biker beforehand, their body's now 40 years old, so they can't like be winning mountain bike races anymore. So they like moved into the marketing side. And so there's kind of these like really interesting people that like I am really drawn to and I find a lot of similarities with. And yeah, they just feel like interesting. They're engaging. They're happy people, healthy. Like, and I think that's like, I don't know. I think with photography and the businesses that you create, like and the services that you provide, it's like who you spend time around, right? Like if you're taking photos of, like if you're a pure like editorial newspaper kind of photographer and you're getting sent on assignment in your local city, like you're, you're interacting with like very different people than if you're like a commercial photographer doing massive campaigns, maybe you're working more with models or hair and makeup designers. And so I think for me, like the people in the outdoor industry is like initially what drew me here. Um, and then I think secondly, like the people it's number one and the places is number two. I, mm. I feel like I've traveled to a lot of really amazing places and I feel very fortunate to like have done what I've done um, in, in pursuing this career, like rock climbing in Mexico, snorkeling in Tahiti, like camping with indigenous communities in Peru, trail running in France, like endless places in the U.S. I feel like I've gotten this like whole new appreciation for the, the landscapes and the people of the U.S. by just like traveling to really amazing places like Flagstaff or Taos, New Mexico that you like wouldn't have maybe pictured as like, well, this is a really amazing destination. And then you go there, you're like, wow, this is beautiful. These people are like really kind and amazing, but these landscapes are like fantastic. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think the places is really exciting. And of course, like with every, like I was snorkeling in Tahiti, there's also like, I was like under house arrest in Senegal when like protests broke out earlier this year in June. Wow. We were there and like tear gas was going off down the street and like it was pretty dangerous. Like I've been held at gunpoint in Nicaragua, like been trapped in Morocco because the borders closed with COVID. So all of our flights were canceled. So we were like stuck there. So like with every like, it's amazing. There's also like still a little bit of like, there's been some stressful situations as well. But I think <laughs> being overall, held at gunpoint <laughs> is a stressful situation. I've, I've had it yeah, happen was, once before as well. And that is oh, the man, weirdest so feeling. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Yeah. That, it was, uh, it's an interesting time for sure. I think you just kind of like reassess, <laughs> you reassess what a lot. matters to you after an experience like that, you know? Yeah. 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 That, that's a, yeah, it's a, it's a weird experience. Okay. I, I'll, yeah, we yeah. won't follow that particular rabbit trail right now, but just kind of totally. getting back to <laughs> getting back to what you were talking about though. Um, I know that your focus was kind of on the people and the places and, and I'll, I'll get to that in a second, but you started with, with, getting to be or getting to photograph something that you enjoy personally. And, you know, this goes back to what I was saying earlier. If we're starting with a premise that is a reflection of not just our values, but the things that, that get us most excited, um, just for the heck of it, like just for the fun of it that we're passionate about. I, I hesitate to use passionate because passion is just an overused word these days, but ultimately that's what it is. We get to do something that we enjoy. And I love that you pursued something that you enjoyed, but Again, maybe I'm reading into this a little bit too much, but as much as I've as I've heard discussed um, in our industry over over the years, especially doing this podcast, but as I talk to photographers as well, the tendency for a lot of photographers to be introverted, and then and then also just to see them kind of publicly criticizing or shaming or or otherwise the people that they're around as photographers, 
it's very interesting to me that so many photographers who don't seem to like people <laughs> choose to get into the photography industry, which is all about photographing people, people. at least when it comes to, of course, weddings or, or portraits or in, in your case, totally. adventure photography. Or this. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it, it is an interesting, I think it's it's definitely a tricky situation because I think there are some photographers that I've worked with that they create amazing photos. And like, I will admit, like, I'm not the most amazing photographer. Like there are some photographers in, in Denver. I'll actually shout them out. Adam Bove and Kate Ralston from A Collective the US. Their photography, I like can't even begin to comprehend like what they do because it's just their lighting setups are like just beautiful. I don't even know how they capture it, but their photography is amazing. And I look at that and I'm like, wow, I will probably never get to that point because like I'm shooting at noon in Mexico, <laughs> like 2000 feet up on a wall. And like, yeah. I don't have the luxury of like creating a photo that beautiful. It's just like about the adventure and about the story and about the excitement. Um, but I think when, you know, when you can create an amazing photograph, like you, can create a career in this. And I think sometimes like, even if you're introverted, you're like, well, I love the photography side of things, but I'm still struggling with like the people to people interactions that I, I totally feel you that I would imagine that would be a big struggle for a lot of photographers. And I, I wish I could be like, well, here's the solution, but I'm just super extroverted and I love people. And so I can't really totally relate to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, so much of our perception of or experience of people is rooted in our past experiences and we've it's it's natural to build up a certain psychology as it relates to how we see and interact with people so certainly no judgment but i think that also then represents an opportunity for us to take i mean i've told this my, my story endless times on the podcast about kind of how i learned to step out of introversion um just by taking the time to well look at the bigger picture and see what the psychology was behind my behavior at the time and the fears and the apprehensions and the so-called exhaustion. Everybody talks about, you know, if, if I'm around people, I'm exhausted. That's the typical sign of an introvert. And like, for me, it was like, okay, why, why am I exhausted? I'm just going into a gathering or a small meeting of people, maybe sometimes parties, but it's not like I'm doing anything that's actually physically tiring. So why would I be getting exhausted? That's not a personality or something that I can't control. There's some psychology behind that. And what is that psychology? And let me explore that. And so that's what I did. And I think I would just encourage, again, I know I'm kind of um, maybe stretching this conversation a little bit, but I'm just using this as an opportunity to, con because I, I love that you love people. And I think that that sets a really great premise for an interaction with a client and ultimately building a photography business. And I would encourage our listeners to look at the psychology behind why there are fears or apprehensions or a tendency toward introversion that is actually potentially prohibiting them from being able to build the relationships or ultimately the business that that they could if they were just willing to to make that little bit of extra effort does that make sense totally yeah yeah i love that i also think too like and i, I don't know if it's worth talking about but i think like the the misconceptions of like at least what i do as like an adventure photographer like i think people think i take photos like all the time and i like super don't and so like a lot of my business is like i would almost go as far to say like 90 percent of what i do happens before or after i take the photos or make the videos and i think that's the other piece if you're like oh man like i love photography and i love filmmaking for instance like <clears throat> you can still create a really sustainable business within this without like having to go out and like interact with people you don't know on a consistent basis like i think like 
you could create a company that like like yours right that like outsources edits that people can outsource edits to you and like okay maybe you're not like at a wedding around 200 people like having to get in conversation with like aunt martha about like her dog you know and you're like oh, i'm introverted <laughs> this is scary to me you can yeah. be like okay cool i've created this framework and i've created this service that like is valuable to people and i think like there's just something i've learned a lot especially over the past few years like covid happened and budgets have gone all over the place and people are like feeling pretty like uneasy about the state of like photography especially with ai and all these things but i just think there are like so many ways you can make money in this industry yeah. and you don't necessarily have to be like the super bubbly like hey let's go take some photos no. like oh my gosh you look amazing you know no, and i think yeah. like that's definitely celebrated because it's like the people like us that are like on podcasts and talking about it or maybe on youtube giving tips and tricks of like and they're extroverted so you're like oh i need to be that in order to be a great photographer but i remember like way back in the day when i was shooting elopements like there's this one photographer who i worked with who was super introverted and was like just like the most intentional speaker of all time would just communicate like it was like almost an art form it would be like he like wouldn't pick up his camera until like the photo like the family was fully positioned and he mm. would take i think in the whole elopement he would take like 200 photos and like 198 of those would like be delivered and would be perfect but he wouldn't just be like hey okay great do this yeah that's awesome he would like <laughs> intentionally take the time to yeah. like this is how it works. And I think I've learned a lot actually from that and being like, okay, sometimes you just need to like slow down. And like, if you have the luxury to do it right, weddings may be different. But I think in like this industry where it's like, it's exciting, it's adventurous. Like, I just need to take a ton of photos. You're like, sometimes you do have the luxury to be like, hey, can you like walk this section of hill again? Or can you like put your ski boot on like again? I try not to do that. But <laughs> if like, if it's a campaign or a commercial style shoot, like you can ask that and just try to be a little bit more like, low-key about it for sure but well, yeah it's an interesting topic i think it is and and, and i don't want to i mean i know we have more to get to but i guess part of the reason that i that i keep harping on on the topic rue is is that um well i mean a lot of people might say well it's easy for you nate or easy for you rue to, to talk about this you guys are obviously comfortable on camera or you know talking to, to other people and that's true but there's there are reasons for that and and i think you know, whether it's the, the conversations around personality types or Enneagrams or otherwise, there's just a tendency in our culture, not just in the photography industry, but in our culture in general to just kind of, you know, we're, we're quote unquote finding ourselves and then we land on a personality type or an Enneagram number we're like, oh, I found myself. And, and then the conversation just kind of stops there. And, and it, it, it's a it's a false premise, really, because we're dynamic as human beings. Not only are we dynamic, but we are also wired to actually connect with other people. So if there is a tendency to avoid that um, or to be fearful of that, then I think we should be asking some questions about what's behind that. And, uh, and again, it's a loaded topic, I, I realize. But I would just, if nothing else, again, I would just encourage our listeners to not just write yourself up to being this particular label or being in this particular box, but look for opportunities to continue to grow as an individual and to, to go back and, and kind of unwrap some of the issues that might be right now kind of limiting you in the life or the business that, that you're running and, and look for opportunities to improve on those or refine those or change those. We have that, that privilege. It's such a privilege to, to be able to do that. And I don't think that can be emphasized enough. Anyway, I'll, I'll get off my, my uh, soapbox. <laughs> and, <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. And we'll keep going, Rue. Um, and you actually 
kind of set us up a second ago, you, you mentioned misconceptions about adventure photography. And that's my next question here. What are some kind of misconceptions? Because I know from the outside looking in, you know, like if, if I go to an outdoor store and I, or I pick up outdoor magazine um, or I go to a website like yours, I'm seeing these absolutely stunning photos. I mean, it looks like a glorious, dreamy job and you know, to be out in these beautiful locations and photographing these incredible athletes. But I'm sure there's a lot of kind of BTS that a lot of people not, may not be familiar with, right? So what, what is that? What are some of the most common misconceptions? Totally. Yeah. I mean, I, like I said, like I don't take a lot of photos and I think that is the biggest thing. And this is just like how I've structured my business. Like I know people who are taking photos all the time. And I think for me, in order to take the best photo, I need to like put my camera away. Like if I'm constantly shooting photos, when I show up to like photograph an Olympian or like go on an expedition, like my brain just isn't as primed as it would be versus like, I don't know, my camera like earlier this year, like I didn't pick my camera up for two months. And like, I was working the whole time. I was like a creative director for a big campaign with a couple Olympians. Like I was editing projects for Patagonia and HBO and like doing other things, but I wasn't like out on an expedition taking a photograph. And I think the behind the scenes of this industry, like you're right, when you go to my website, you're like, whoa, he's like rock climbing Moab. And the next week he's like surfing in Senegal. <laughs> yeah. The week after that, he's like snowboarding in Chamonix. And it's like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. Um, but I think the reality is I spend a lot of time like at a computer, like building pitch decks and like creating contracts and like planning a shoot and then going and like having conversations with brands about like budgets and like marketing expectations and like how to do all that stuff. And I like, I like, it's so tricky because if I was just starting out and I heard that, I'd be like, well, that's a bummer. I just want to be like out shooting all the time. But right. I think for me, like, I love that. Like, I love the like technical business side of this. Mm. And I think like, I think of myself just as much of like a business person as I do a photographer. Um, and I like, I love the building the website and I love the creating contracts and talking with companies on like how I can best serve them with their marketing budgets and things like that. Um, and so it's like, it's maybe a misconception, but it's not, it's not bad necessarily. Like by me doing that, like I'm able to like, have a home in Boulder where I can like go to the climbing gym with friends after work and mm -hmm. I can like hang out and go on date night with my girlfriend and I can go do these sort like walk my dog in the morning. I'm not like constantly traveling from one location to the other. Like I don't have any solid community. Like that's not true. Like I have a solid community. Um, and I think by not going out and taking photos all the time, like I'm able to have like, I feel at least like a little bit healthier of a work-life balance. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think it's tricky because you start off with this, like, I'm going to go out and take photos all the time. And when I was starting out, like, that's what you kind of have to do because you need sure. to like, build a portfolio and show, like, that you're capable of doing these sorts of things. Like, you're not going to get hired to go photograph skiing if you've never photographed skiing before. And so I think when you're starting out, like, there is a decent amount of, like, going out and creating photos for free. You're going out and doing these sorts of things without getting paid. Um, but I think, like slowing down and thinking like, how do I be sustainable in this? And how do I like create a workflow to make sure like I'm getting paid for this kind of stuff eventually is yeah. like, I think for me, the exciting part, you know, um, it almost becomes like a game too of like, mm. okay, how, like I made this much last year. How can I make that much again this year? Yeah. But like spend half the time on the road or like spend half my time working. And like, instead of working from nine to five, like 
I work from 10 to four. And then next year, hopefully I can work from 11 to three and I'm still getting like as much done. I'm still feeling as fulfilled, but I can have like a healthier work-life balance. Um, and so I think that misconception of like, I'm out shooting photos all the time. Like I'm, I'm not. And I love that. And I think that's the other point is like social media too. Like mm. you kind of go into like, I always need to be posting. I always need to have like, I need to have this amazing feed. And like, I don't like, I don't care about social media as a business tool. And I think that's another misconception. Like you need to have this like beautiful, like gallery of photos to like get hired from your social media. And like, I have been doing this for seven years and I have never been hired from my social media. Um, and I have like 1800 followers. I'm like a very normal person as far as social media goes. Like, it's like, Oh, I guess he takes photos and he does these things sometimes. And <laughs> yeah, but <clears throat> like, I've never been hired off of it. And I think mm. in spending time, right? Like how do you spend your time is like how you create your business. And I think I spent my time like reaching out to clients and like building a really built out website and thorough website and like communicating my values and my mission and who I am and what I'm all about, like on there. And that became like this professional zone. Like I have a newsletter that goes out every month. Like I post regularly to LinkedIn, like to kind of create connections and create network that builds, that brings in build brings in business. And I think when you're posting to Instagram, like it takes so much time to do that. And that could be time that's like better spent elsewhere. And sometimes it's not like, I know for a lot of wedding people, like you can get a lot of business from your social media. Sure, so like, yeah. that is really important, but like Patagonia and La Sportiva, like they're not scrolling Instagram, seeing who tagged them in photos and be like, that's a great photo. Like we should hire them. Um, most of the time it comes from like connections or other projects you've done or like meeting people at film festivals or meeting them at events or all sorts of things. And so I think that's like the piece of the business side and like, I don't know, that was kind of my third point is like the business side, like it, it doesn't suck. I think a lot of people think like the business side is the worst, but it's like, no, like going out to these fun events. Like I went to this like backcountry ski event the other day and like met another director and was like, oh, this is kind of fun. Like you're just like creating community. Like when you think of it as like creating community and like you're building connections from that way. Like I met a lot of my connections to brands and athletes by like showing up to like a local bike ride. That's like a group ride on a Wednesday morning. And you're like, this sounds fun. Like I'll go do that. And then you meet the athlete that's like leading the group ride or whatever. Like, Hey, like what's going on? You become mm -hmm. friends and you like catch up and you're like, Whoa, it's interesting. You're like training for a 250 mile trail run. Like, what is that like? You know? Um, and so I think it gets so like, I think when you say like building the business of something like business of adventure photography or like business of a wedding, I think, it's easy to be like, oh, I don't want to be a business owner. Like, I just want to go out and take photos. Um, but I think for me, at least, like the business is really important, but it's also really fun. And I think that's like the misconception side, like I talked about earlier, is like the business side can be really fulfilling as well. Yeah. Oh, and I love how you, I, I'm, I'm taking notes. I mentioned to you before we got started, I'm kind of old school, I'm using a notebook here. But, um, you know, the the fact that you highlight social media isn't necessarily as important as somebody might think, especially in the wedding and portrait world. There's just this kind of default, which we, which is to go to Instagram and post because traditionally that was the photography platform where people are focused most on photos. Of course, that's, that's changed over time, but where, where I went internally, though, as you're talking about that is at the end of the day, it's not about a specific platform just because somebody else or a bunch of other people are using it. It's about the intention 
behind your business and your business model. And that should ultimately drive how you're spending your, your efforts, time, energy, et cetera, to market your business. And you can do that in really fun ways as well. Kind of piggybacking on your, on your third point, you can actually get creative with it, whether that's going to hanging out with people or doing something LinkedIn. It's so funny. I, I still have this kind of weird, um, perception of LinkedIn, even though I realize that plenty of people get results from it. LinkedIn's so weird. I like, <laughs> I love it. I love how weird it is. You yeah. Know? Like you go on there, you're like, this is a bizarre space. Like yeah. people being thought leaders and you're like, I, I don't understand why like, this is being rewarded. <laughs> this right. behavior should not be rewarded. But I just love like scrolling past it and be like, it's like the CEO crying because he had to fire someone and you're like, people got fired. Like they also feel bad, you know? And you're just yeah. like, this is a weird space. I just kind of like, post and i'm like hey this is what i'm doing and then you like kind of just get out of there you know yeah but it's great it's not like tiktok where you're like you get like sucked into it like for right. me i'm like oh this is great this is like a platform that i can like post on and then immediately leave because it doesn't like draw you in in the same like addictive way i think as yeah. the other social media platforms but i think it's just a good reminder again that that you know what it is that you're trying to accomplish with your business and where you can get that business and it, that we shouldn't just kind of go into autopilot mode as, as photographers we should look for the opportunities to go build business where there are those opportunities and it may differ from business to business genre to genre location to location uh, maybe the, the specific segment of the market that we're trying to pursue within that genre. We should take a step back and look at that creatively and intentionally the way that you have, Rue. And I think that's a really great example for our listeners. But let me go ahead and transition then to my last question. And I know we'll spend a little bit of time here, but um, you mentioned that there are kind of five ideas that might enable listeners, viewers of this show to be able to more effectively go build an adventure photography business. I love principles. I think at the end of the day, like we can talk yeah. about nitty gritty workflow stuff, but it's going to vary for everybody and they'll have their different preferences. But big ideas or principles uh, are applicable. We'll call it 80% of the time, 90% of the time even. And that's where I really like to go. So share those kind of key principles that you have found from your personal experience have been most effective in building an adventure photography business. Totally. Yeah, no, I love that. I also think too, like, I just love, like, thanks for giving me a space to talk about this. Cause I think like these sorts of things, like, I don't want this to be a secret. Like when I was starting out, like I had no idea how to do like anything. I was like, I want to go take photos of people skiing. And no one told me like, this is a career. Like you can do this, you can make a good living and you can like be happy and financially rewarded and healthy and go out and do fun things. And like, no one really told me that that was like a career option. So like, I love now that you're like providing a space for people to be like, Hey, this, if you want to do this, like you can do this, I'm doing mm -hmm. it and you can do it too. You know? And like, here's some things that might help. I think for me, like, like you said, the, the five, I think kind of to start off, always working on something like always have like some project that you're working on is for me has been really fruitful and like whether it's like a photo series or like a passion project documentary that you're got like that you want to work on for me if you're like if you're not getting hired it's like it's still so important to like do something like my website if you go through my website now it's like it's all paid projects but for my first like couple years I was like, I want to do like adventure photography and I want to like be an adventure filmmaker and adventure photographer. And I'm going to like go out and take photos, create photo series, make documentaries and put that up on my website. And it's going to be like, I'm an adventure photographer and whether or not I'm getting paid, like hopefully this will lead to that. But for now, like I just need to go out and like hone on the technical skill sets and like to give an example, like my first, my first $10,000 project. 
I had gotten contacted through my website from an agency in LA who was like looking for adventure photographers in Colorado. They found my website. They'd gone through. They're like, wow, this guy had done like four big documentaries and had like a whole portfolio of like ski, bike, climbing and surfing that he'd photographed. And it looked like this is what I did. And I was like a college student. I was like a junior <laughs> in college. And, <clears throat> and they ended up hiring me. And I was like, whoa, this is insane. Like if you show the work that you want to get hired for, like that will, and this is kind of my second point, like show the work you want to get hired for. And okay. by doing that and like honing into the niche, like by cultivating a style, like, and making a website, like, oh, I just can't like say enough, like make a website, make a website. Um, if you can show like, I'm a professional in this, like I have a solid website and I'm beginning to have a style that I'm like happy with. I think my style now, like if you look at my photos, you're like, this is cool. Like it kind of just looks like adventurous photography and the videos that you watch, you're like, okay, I, these are all just kind of like uplifting stories in the outdoor industry. Like that is a niche and a style in and of itself. And I think in the outdoor sports, like how it typically works or how it can work is like, you are really passionate about skiing and you're like, I'm only going to take ski photos. And then you just become the person that like gets hired to take ski photos. Cause you're like an exceptional skier and you know that style. And that's like what you're known for. I think for me, like I was a little more broad, but still like stuck within the adventure niche and was like, I want to take outdoor adventure photos, skiing, biking, climbing, surfing. If it has to be like, trail running or like I've done a lot of sports with or a lot of photos and videos about like adaptive winter sports now like people with disabilities that are skiing and, and snowboarding and things um and so I think it can expand but having a, a style that you're known for and like making a website that would probably be like the second principle I would talk about the third principle we've like totally touched on it and I don't want to like harp on it too much but like okay. leaning into the business side of it all mm. like networking with marketing teams, like figuring out how to negotiate rates, like learning how to build pitch decks. And like, most importantly, like providing value for a company. Like I do what I do because a company pays me money to take photos of their athletes or lifestyle or whatever, or products to sell products. So like, I am not like a product photographer and like, that's a whole thing. I just like have no idea how to even do. Um, but I know how to like take photos of a product like in action. Like I know how to take a photo of like a trail running shoe, like showing its stuff, you know? Um, and ultimately like I'm just helping a company sell a product. And mm. like, there's a bazillion ways that do that, right? It's like by showing the lifestyle, by like helping them get more marketing assets for like paid ads or campaigns or all these sorts of things. Um, but ultimately it's like providing value for a company is like where this all comes down to so if you're starting out and you're like i want to do this as a career like what do i do you're like how do you provide value for a company because you can take amazing photos of all sorts of things like two photos behind me i don't know if you can see but like i have a ski photo and a, or wait surfing photo <laughs> skiing photo like both of those came from documentary projects but neither of those photos were like licensed for anything i just mm -hmm. took those photos because i'm i'm passionate about them and i i loved what i was doing at the time and of course yeah. it was on a film project so it was different um but i wasn't getting hired to take those photos and i think like the business side of like i just want to provide value for a company like that's where you start to get paid for these things when you just like take amazing photos you can still do that and not get paid for it um but it's ultimately just like 
how do you provide value for a company? Not how can a company provide value for you? Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think we've talked about this quite a bit on the podcasts um, over time. The importance, because again, a lot of photographers, I've been in the industry long enough now, 20 plus years to see a lot of kind of negativity and complaining about clients as though the clients are there to serve you. And the reality is you're there to serve the clients to, as you were pointing out, add value to the clients, whatever the genre. And that really should be our focus. If we lead with that, it'll it'll not only change our frame of mind and our attitude, but it'll ultimately change the experience for the end client as well. So I think that's really important. I, before we get to point four and five, though, I do have one question because you talked about lean into learning the business side of things. And a lot of photographers, mm -hmm. um, even myself, honestly, despite my tendency to be technical and and you know, workflow oriented and, and certainly interested in business. I'm not always as excited about having to do the business stuff. I'm going to get out and totally. go market and, yeah. and build a brand and you know whatnot. So with these tendencies to not always necessarily be interested in the business side per se, what do you recommend to photographers who are like, that's just not really my thing. I just want to go take pictures. How, how can they make that? Cause you describe it being fun and I, I'm curious how, you, how they can go make that a little bit more fun for themselves. Totally. Yeah. Oh man, this is actually such a good question. And I'm excited to like, just explain like how making money works. It just, le at least in like the outdoor lifestyle photography industry, there's like kind of three ways for me. I was like, I love the business side. I'm going to work directly with brands. So like La Sportiva is going to pay me to like go out and do something with an athlete or with whatever. And I'm going to like make money that way. So you can do that way, which is like, there's a quite, quite a bit of like business things that happen right you have to like talk about contracts and do negotiations and like build pitch decks and all that sort of stuff um you can also like assist for people so you can be like a photo assistant or you can be like a camera operator on a bigger production for like nike for instance like nike campaigns have like dozens and dozens of people on set with them so you can go and like fulfill a role as well. You can be like a photo assistant. You can be like a first assistant camera where you're like helping pull focus for the video or like you can be, I don't know, a gaffer and like helping light things. So there's not like one way. And that's where I was like earlier, like there's so many ways to make money in this industry. Like you can work with brands, you can like be an assistant on set or you can like work on set for these sorts of things. And you can still have this like adventurous kind of outdoor lifestyle thing. Maybe it's not like as adventurous because maybe you're not like, the cameraman for a rock climbing shoot where it's just you and the rock climber and someone belaying, I guess. But, um, that's the other way. And then I think the third way is just like trying to piece it together and like make it work however you can, like assisting weddings sometimes is cool. Or you like, maybe you only shoot weddings for money, but then on the side, you're like, I just love the adventure sports thing. And that's what I'm passionate about. But like, I don't need to make money from that. I don't want to like understand how to like, build a business in that sense. Like I have a wedding business and it pays me money, enough money for, and gives me enough time for me to like go out and shoot skiing on my own. And I don't have to like stress about where those photos are going to end up. I can like print them and put them behind me. And like, I'm really proud of the photo and I can like be fulfilled that way. But I think like in this industry, at least there's not like one way to like make it right. Like success is like whatever you want it to be. If you're like, I just love taking photos and I have this whole other thing that I do on the side, like I'm a graphic designer for whatever, or I'm like a software developer, but I love taking photos and I have this kind of remote job. So I go out on my lunch breaks and I go and take photos of dogs in my neighborhood. Like that's also super cool, you know? And so I think 
the business side, if you're like not like super excited about like doing the business side necessarily, um, you don't always have to. Like that's how I've done it and that's how like I've made a career and I always like recommend people to do it that way because it's been really fruitful and exciting and I like have like learned to love it more and more. Um, but I think like just to directly answer your question, how to make it more fun, I think like try to treat it as like a game. Like, okay, I got a five, I got paid $5,000 to do this project. How can I do that similar scale project for $10,000? Or how can I do it for $15,000? How can I like continue to up my rates? And how can I continue to provide more value for a company and like be compensated fairly for it? Like the photos that I've taken, like if I get paid by like a local real estate agent who's like, I just need a headshot for my website. Like maybe that would cost like, I don't even know, 500 bucks or something. If I took that same style of portrait for like, I don't even know, like name a celebrity, like Chris Hemsworth, it would be like, that would be a lot more valuable of a photo. Cause it's like, I don't know, maybe a biggest celebrity, maybe like a big brand is behind it. Maybe I'm doing a portrait of like Barack Obama for time magazine. Like, I don't know the scale of those photos, the price of those photos becomes like vastly different. And so I think you can be taking one photo and the price for it and the value for it can like super change. And I think in weddings, you all talk about a lot, like value-based pricing too. Like you're not pricing a wedding based off of like your, or hopefully you're not like your hourly engagement in it. You're pricing on how valuable it is to the couple, right? If you're like, Hey, like me being there for 12 hours, like it's more valuable because like you can capture more of the ceremony, you can capture more of the experience and it can be like a more like holistic experience versus like only capturing an hour it's not as valuable so the price can change that way but um i like the idea of framing it as a game i I think that that's a really uh it's really easy i know for me even just to think about like oh i gotta go put together an expense report or you know do something that just is so mundane i know that it needs to be done for the sake of my entrepreneurial career but in the scheme of things it's just so unimportant you know so i'm like man i don't want to do this thing but when I, when I frame that and those series of tasks that feel a bit mundane, they're not as creative, they're not moving my business forward, but they have to be done. Framing it as a game, a part of the game that is enabling me to get to the place that I want to be, I think that mindset is, is a really great idea. And it's something I want to think a little bit more about even for myself. So I appreciate that reminder. Let's just finishing up here. Let's, let's, I, I know you've got a couple more ideas, principles that are important for helping photographers build these adventure photography businesses. What are those? Yeah, I think kind of continuing on like point number four, if the first is like always be working on something. Number two is like cultivating a style and showing work you don't want to get hired for. Number three is like leaning into the business side. I'd say number four, and this one's, I feel like pretty important for like the technical aspects of creating a business in the adventure photography realm is like knowing how to do those sports. Like if you don't know how to ski, it's going to be really hard to make a career as a ski photographer. And if you don't know how to mountain bike, like equally, it's going to be pretty tricky to not be able to take those sorts of photos. There was this big, like there was a lot of backlash recently because Toyota ended up doing this big ad for one of their cars with a mountain biker on it. And it was like the mountain biker is on like a BMX bike and like wearing something that a mountain biker would like never wear. Oh, and the, the, the Toyota was like super clean. And they're like, man, if you just like had somebody who knew how to mountain bike, yeah. be like, Oh, when you show up to the trailhead, like 
the car is muddy like yeah. you're wearing like a four-day-old outfit and you're just like whatever <laughs> like it's gonna get dirty again so i yeah. might as well wear it you know like and it just like was this huge disconnect from the audience that you're trying to like market the photo to um and so i think that's a big part of like at least for me and building my business like i like i don't want to say like I'm a professional athlete because I think there's a huge difference between what I do and what these athletes are doing. But I think being able to at least like keep up on skis or being able to like rock climb to a capacity that I can like rig something up and photograph rock climbers, or I can go be in the water and big surfing and like know how to do that sort of sport. And like, I think also like a skiing example, I, I ski and I snowboard, but let's say I'm snowboarding and I'm, I've, I snowboard like regular stanced. So if my left foot is forward, if I'm photographing somebody who is also regular stanced and their left foot is forward, when we're skiing or sorry, when we're snowboarding down the mountain together, I'm looking at their back. And so like, I can't take a photo of their face. And so it's a good example of like, you need to kind of know these sports in order to like take the best photo. Because if you're like, oh, I can snowboard and I'll go take a photo of somebody snowboarding. Like, there's certain things too that you'll like learn as you do it more like you do that one time you're like oh i'm a snowboarder i'll go take photos of someone snowboarding and you're like wait we're both goofy footed or we're both regular and i just couldn't get a photo of their face unless like i was like mm. snowboarding switch or skiing backwards or whatever um so i think just like knowing how to do the outdoor sports is like so important and i think the fifth point and the final point is like i think kind of like we talked about at the beginning like whoa you worked with like a lot of big brands you know I think for me, like, it's sometimes a little tricky because at this point, people are like, whoa, you've like, you've made it. You've done a ton of big things. Like, how do I do that? I'm like, show up every day and like work. Then do one thing at a time and like, well, not every day, like take vacations and take breaks, of course, like have a healthy work-life balance, but like show up and take it one step at a time for seven years. And like, for me, Patagonia has been like a new, a recent collaborator of mine and we've done a lot of things together this year, but only this year. And I've probably made 30 documentaries before I made a film for Patagonia. And so I think like when it comes to like, how do I make a film for Patagonia? Like, how do I pitch them? How do I do this thing? It's like, have you made 30 documentaries? Do you know like the ins and outs of like in-depth storytelling? Or like, do you know like very technical things about photographing rock climbing or photographing skiing if you're going to get hired to go do those things for Patagonia or whatever big brand. Um, and I think, like, I just really want to emphasize, like, in order to, like, go do this at a high, high, high level, like, right now, like, I'm editing a show for HBO. It's a rock climbing show. And I'm just, like, I'm helping on the edit. I'm not, like, the director on this by any means. But I look at the director who's a close friend of mine, but he's 50 years old and he's been doing what I've been doing for 30 years. And when I like watch him edit and I watch him do these things, I'm like, wow, your knowledge of just storytelling and your knowledge of Adobe Premiere Pro is like absurd. Like I just don't even, I like sometimes can't even fathom how he's doing these sorts of things. And I think that's kind of the emphasis. And again, like the John Mayer kind of strategy of like, take it one step at a time and consistently be like trying to do your best. And if you can like do your best and continuously do that because for me like i do this because i love it and i'm so passionate about it and i want to be better and tell better stories and take better photos and go on more exciting adventures and share meaningful stories with with the world like taking it one step at a time like i just hope that that's kind of the 
the the main theme to come across like if you want to build a business in adventure photography like go out and take a photograph and see what you can do with that photograph um like the the process doesn't stop when the photo gets edited or posted it's like that's just one step in like a long long journey I'd like that you that you brought the conversation here as as we close. It, it really kind of brings things full circle. Obviously, pick the thing that you love to do, um, and and you know we, we should mention and it's not just a side note. It, it, we should pick. We, we should look to do something where there is actual market opportunity, right? We we can't just kind of randomly come up with a so called passion where there's not a, a market because we're not going to be able to make enough money to make a living, and that will be stressful in and of itself. But that aside, pick something that you enjoy. And they'd be willing to show up consistently, taking one small step at a time. I mean, that's a massive life lesson in general. And certainly one that I've been reminded of again, even as of late. Uh, and I'm you know, 44. I've been in the industry now for 20 plus years, built a multi-million dollar company. And I'm still being reminded of the significance of that, that particular principle. Because it's, especially for us emotional types, I'm, I'm super emotional guy, actually. So it's... It, it's easy for our emotions to drive our behavior so much of the time and um, learning to kind of flip-flop that and again, create a business, not only based on our, our passions, but our values and understand the significance of showing up one small step at a time, day in and day out. That is, that's gotta be certainly one of the biggest lessons that we could possibly share on the show. So I'm, I'm really glad that you highlight that again for us today, Rue. And um, I, I appreciate you making time to come do the show too. Um, really means Absolutely. a lot. And Thank you. For, for our listeners, uh, I'm going to pop this up on screen one more time here. But if you go to ruesmith.com and then ruesmith, the number six on Instagram, we'll link to both of those in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Make sure you check out Ru's work, follow him. And uh, I'm sure he wouldn't mind if you ask him a question or two. But uh, thanks so much again, Ru, for doing this. Thanks, everybody, for listening and viewing. And uh, make sure you check out the show notes. We'll have this, this episode published by uh, tomorrow, actually, December 9th, on all the platforms. And you can check out the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Thanks, Ru. Amazing. Thanks so much, Nathan. See ya.